I hope you're flexible. This is Game Shows, I Suppose. and welcome to this niche podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows I suppose I'm your host Jordan Haas <laughs> this is a very weird episode because I'm just recovering from a cold <coughs> I mean last week you've already heard me have a cold but it, it got it's better now but a whole lot of things, whole lot of interviews. I'm frustrated right now. It's like a lot of my my scheduling had to be pushed. I'm like I'm just like freaking the heck out. Lots of personal problems going on too. But ah, you know, as long as we have a game show, I guess to talk about. I guess we'd be fine, right? Right. So this week, uh, we 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 have body language. Why not body language? Why not the fun charades game from the eighties? Right? Let's do campy. Let's have fun. Um, but before we get to that, we gotta get through the news. There's not a lot of news to talk about. I be I I trust me. I checked. Uh, I'm sure like it's gonna be one of those things where I'm gonna like check out the news and then like tomorrow. There's going to be like eight new game show announcements, but none to report tonight, at least not from what I can see. But there is two. Uh, one was a trailer for Hot Ones, the game show. Yeah, it's it's here now. Let me just let me just read that off, I guess. That's something. For uh, True TV's fiery new series, Hot Ones, the game show, set to make its debut February 18th at 10 p.m. Eastern Pacific. This hilarious half-hour game show is based on the hugely popular Hot Ones web series, compared by Complex Network's First We Feast. In each episode, host Sean Evans welcomes fans into the Pepper Dome to compete against one another by answering trivia questions and eating increasingly mouth-scorching hot wings for $25,000 and the chance to become Hot Ones legends. The series has wrapped production on its 20-episode order, and the network has already licensed the rights to 20 episodes of the original web series, which will air after each episode of the game show, as part of a Hot Ones hour on True TV. Okay. Uh, e- uh, hot Ones... The game show joins True TV's lineup that's bold and fresh, showcasing audacious content with relatable characters and laugh-out-loud moments. They really want to try to go for the Impractical Jokers effect, don't they? Uh, Hot Ones has become a global phenomenon with more than 1 billion views over 10 seasons, and now fans have been invested, invited to join in on the fun. Each week, two teams will compete in the battle of gastrointestinal fortitude through three rounds of trivia while chowing down on blazing hot wings, slaughter, and sauces so fiery contestants start to lose control of their senses. Each team will become completely disoriented while they try to battle the intense heat of each sauce and make it through to the next round. 
with EMTs standing by. Reactions range from tears, sweat, vomit, and in one case, a panic attack as their mouths melt from the intense heat of the sauce. After three rounds, the team with the most cash will enter the ring of fire where they must work together to win a grand prize and the soothing milkshake anecdote to their burning mouths. This season will feature grandmothers, drag performers, firefighters, engaged couples, father-daughter pairs, among many more. Fans have no idea what they're in for, and these all-new blazing sauce recipes from around the country bringing the heat along with the tears. <sighs> okay. Anyway, Great British Bake Off, Sandy Topskig exits after three all-consuming seasons. Sandy Topskig is leaving the Bake Off tent. Bake Off host has confirmed that she is departing after three years to focus on other projects, including uh, duties on Channel 4's The Write-Offs, a new series that examines adult literacy. Uh, when stepping down from a job, it is quite common for people to say they're doing so under to spend more time with their family. Unusually, I'm departing from the Great British Bake Off so I can spend more time with my other work. Top extended in a statement. As my waistline will testify, Bake Off is an all-consuming show. Spending time with Prue, Paul, and Noel has been one of the great pleasures in my life. These are the friendships which I know will continue beyond the confines of television. Uh, Bake Off is a wonderful program, which has already proved it can be happily withstand a change of hosting personnel. She continued, the reason for that, of course, is that the true stars of the show are the bakers themselves. I wish everyone well. Well, best of luck doing QI then. That's it. That's all the news. Great. What, what now? Oh my god! Ten daring individuals Whoa. have come to live out their spy fantasies and try to beat the ultimate game of espionage. Based on a real World War II secret spy program called Station S where America recruited civilians to a remote estate and turned them into spies. My dream is a life of danger, espionage, and bond women. I do tend to work well with people who have crushes on me. Our competitors will live together and try to uncover the secrets their fellow players are keeping. I got secrets galore. The fact that I was accused for racketeering is dust in the wind. No one trusts you at all. You are literally going to walk out with PTSD. Hopefully not, but it's it's a distinct possibility. In this game, they will need to survive missions created by three renowned intelligence professionals. You don't want to be holding classified information you shouldn't have. My justification for that was that I fully... There is no justification for that. They will be trained in the art of espionage. George, what direction was the compass pointing? You don't remember. And have their mental... What the f*** are you doing? ...and physical capabilities pushed to the limit. <laughs> In the end, only one will take home $100,000. A leader's gonna win this money. Don't let people crush you. These are good-looking people. There must be a reason why I'm here. This is a game, and I intend to win. I'm Mia Kang, and this is Spy Games. I got nothing here i mean i do i've i've just seen the first couple episodes of spy games uh which is a reality competition show on bravo for some reason and it's a fascinating format but also kind of questionable 
uh because i really don't know what the like what's the win condition and that's what makes it really tough for me to do this i think they're trying to go for a 10 little indians 10 to 9 to 8 to 7 to 6 to 5 to 4 to 3 to 2 to 1 winner but it's the how do they determine the two to the one that's driving me up the wall um because I think the game premise is to be the best spy. But to be the best spy, I think you need to figure out the other 10, like all the secret identity, like secrets of all your other contestants. I think that's kind of how it goes, which makes it very tough. Um, so uh, here's how spy games works i'm putting in a question mark here because this is what i think the rules are it sounds simple because it is there's a challenge someone wins that challenge and they get an advantage in the next week's game they're safe the rest are determined by the judges which are three different former ex-spies they're the judges they're the boss they're the the donald trumps of the apprentice and two of them go into the boardroom, which they call the interrogation. And in the interrogation, they get asked all sorts of questions. Why did you drop the ball? Why did you mistake? Why should you be here and not them? Why did you do this? You know, a spy never reveals this. Why did you reveal that? Why should we keep you both? Why should we keep one of you? And it culminates in a final quiz based on who knows more about their opponents because that's i think the uh the crux of the game i don't know if it's the grand finale but it sounds like it so there are 10 players they live in a house there's a challenge each week that's based around spy work the first episode was uh convince a stranger to give you a phone number well like beauty and the geek uh and then <laughs> week two it was uh, you. You have to figure out lock picking skills, but in both of these challenges, even though I'm telling you it's straightforward, like get a phone number and oh, pick the locks, and we're going to teach you how to pick locks. It'll be cool. Uh, both of those challenges had one element that they didn't tell the contestants about beforehand, so they're in a little duress because like spy work, nothing's ever easy. So, like, in the get the phone number challenge, oh, but some of you are going to camp outside, so you're all dressed, and then you're going to look uncomfortable, and, oh, you're, you're a little groggy, because you didn't get much sleep, ha-ha. And then the second one is, well, you're picking locks, I didn't tell you you're going into this weird Chuck E. Cheese tunnel with dirt in it, and ha-ha. Or you're going to be handcuffed as you get have to pick the lock and then finally it's the bolts well we're gonna put like water on you and freeze like put air and water and freeze you for a bit so you're very chilly as you try to pick the lock isn't that exciting duress kind of situation there it's it's to me these little competitions they're okay they're fine It, it feels like they're trying to do the reality cliche challenges both a spy motif and try and make it feel like it's a spy mission. And it really comes across as cheap. It really doesn't come across as a spy kind of thing. It feels like 
tacked on to, well, we need something that makes it feel like we're in an action-packed spy show, so we'll do these little games to determine it. And when you have these three judges try, and this is why I say this is why it's not working to me, when you have these three judges that are like spies, and these are ex-CIA, Secret Service, FBI, and they're analyzing these games and, and what they're doing in the house to get data and intelligence, it's, I'm going to say this in the nicest way possible, very laughably bad. <laughs> This is kind of like if they did a bobbing for apples competition where you had to stick your head into a, a pool of water, bob an apple, and then there was like one of them had a fake SIM card in it and you had to put the SIM card into a, a mobile phone after it dries up and get the password so you get the intel. Like that's the game. That would be a, a, a thing on this show. Without a doubt, that's probably like in the next five weeks going to be one of those challenges. And because you failed the bobbing for apples challenge, here is a former Secret Service agent going, why didn't you just stick your head in the in the cold tank for like five more minutes? You know, if, if I was, it was my job to do it for five minutes, I would say yes. And it's just like laughably awful, terribly. It's... Ugh. I want that to be fun, but to me, the games aren't... The spy games that are the spy games is not the clever part of the show that I enjoy. Here is, however, the part of the show I do enjoy. Because they all live in the house. They all have a dossier. In the dossier, they have their own personal secret. And this is like a real bad secret, but something that feels spyish, like... My nickname is Dr. Death. I got arrested for racketeering. I was not born in this country. I I have been arrested four times. I currently work in uh, a prison. Like like things that would sound like, oh, you don't really want that to come out. But not in a way that's like a baggage baggage. Uh, something that feels like criminal justice kind of secret. Um... I've been banned from a dating site was the one that was like the most lighthearted one. Uh, and each of the 10 contestants have one secret that's attached to all 10. Every contestant gets all 10 of those. So it's like identity. There's 10 identities to 10 strangers. If you can figure out the identities to each of the strangers, you win the game. So your goal, your end goal, I believe, and this is why I believe this should be the win condition you have to figure out all nine other secrets while preserving yours. Because to me, that feels like the spy game. You have the big secret. You don't want anyone to know about that one deep, dark secret. So your goal is to make sure you get everyone else's before they know yours. So what are you going to do to be a good spy to gather that intel? You're going to try and be their friend? Are you going to try and, and, and hodgepodge off someone else? What kind of skill set are you going to get? Because you need to get through all 10. And that, to me, is the game. It's like the mole where everyone's the mole. And that, to me, is the fascinating part of spy games. And the twist, which I guess is why they do these physical challenges, because if it was just save your secret but avoid uh but find all nine if that was the game that would be like that to me that would be like a fun day at the office that would be like a fun werewolf game very interesting to see how that goes 
um, but might make for very boring television. So that's probably why these little uh, bobbing for Apple games, these little um, uh, escape room, figure out the secret password treasure hunts uh, show up. And they have to figure out the clues, put it together, gather the intelligence, and then I, I guess that if they do well enough, they they get uh, they get safety. Well, the worst. Uh, and even if you win the challenge, by the way, you could still be eliminated because it's really up to the judges on who does the best. I. But what what makes this such a weird show is if they're eliminated because after the interrogation, after this boardroom. Because this is the game within the game. It's find your savior identity, figure out everyone else's. Here's a little mini game, and then a boardroom based on like the mini game and everything else you've done so far in the show. If you're eliminated from the game, you give your dossier, you give your personal info and any of your notes, if you wish, to a player of your choosing. So you can give someone a huge advantage because now that person knows your secret identity for sure. And then they get to see what you were gathering for intelligence as well, which could make or break a huge part of the show. To me, that I love. And I don't know if they get the notes, but for some reason I'm thinking that they do get the dossier. So they do get the name, location, and the secret. So if you give someone the secret, they can confirm not only their secret, they can confirm your secret. So they're already two out of the 10. So it's like clue. Now they just have a process of elimination. Well, if so-and-so said this, then that means they're lying. And so-and-so says this, well, that means... And it becomes this fun little tangent web game. And that is fun. I think Mia Ling is actually a really good host for this. I wish there was more aspects to give her this like spy feel, give her like a briefcase, give her data, maybe the elimination. There's like a thumbprint reader, something, but it's not trying to be the mole, which I'm actually proud of. They could have easily just tried to do a reboot of the mole and not call it the mole and just do this and it would be bad. But this is like a complex version of both spies which was this channel four series the mole because of the here's the quiz on the other contestants what data do you have on them this could help or make or break our decision and the third stage which is this um what do you know that the others don't know identity type game which i love i love this identity type game like a loft story in france that is fun. The data finding is fun. They pretend to be a spy and be friends to people and learn what it is to be a spy while trying to do these minor spy type tasks. That's fine too. But it's to me the the worst part of the show is the physical challenges. But they're not badly designed physical challenges. It's just trying to put together these somewhat spy trope kind of things and then having three people who were ex-CIA try and justify these challenges into their own personal lives. 
and some of the contestants have been in the military. Some of these people have already had prior experience in military following orders, intelligence gathering, that it, it's kind of questioning, like, well, why did we do that? But okay, sure. Um, and to me, that's the other negative. It's like it, the, the intelligence game aspect is the exciting part, but how they get to point A to point B with like some of these challenges weren't really my thing. However, even though I'm saying like, what does bobbing for apples have to do with spy work? There's no bobbing for apples challenge. I'm just giving that as an example because it's that level of thinking. It's a lockpick race. It's a go to the party uh, and get something. And then it's just try to make negatives over something that's, I'm going to be honest, they're not really taking that seriously. And I think they want this to be taken seriously. I know the judges want this to be taken seriously sometimes. So it's so questionable. This is such a questionable show. I like it. I don't hate it. There are things where I kind of get, I have big question marks for why, but I'm not like pissed off. This isn't like I feel stupid watching this. This is Bravo we're talking about, the Real Housewives channel. So to me, works for me. I'm going to keep watching because I, to me, I like a like a, a some show based on spy and intelligence gathering. I think to me, if you're doing an aspirational type game show, like what's like what's your dream you want to do? You want to try and do like the next fashion designer or chef? Yeah, well that's tactical stuff. This is kind of like world building. We're trying to do world building. We're trying to get people to be like Batman for a bit. Like do some detective work. Do some crime like not real crime fight. Like we're not punching Joker in the face. But we're doing some like intelligence gathering. We're playing spy. We're trying. I like that. To me, that that's kind of a fun theme you can play around with. And it's one of my favorite kind of fantasy kind of things. To me, that's the, that's it's like this is the show. It's like I want to play this game, but I know I would suck at it and get eliminated first week. I'm more I'm probably better at the genius than this, but this is probably in those like top five. Like I think I could have I could probably do okay on spy games, but I don't really have any negative uh, secrets to attach so far. Uh, I don't know, um, but this show is fine. I don't hate it. It's not the best show. I want to see this where it goes off because from what I'm gathering here, we're only seeing early episodes. They really haven't teased what happens in the later half. So something tells me like the big finale is going to be a rewarding finale. It's not going to be like, here are the judges. They get to pick their favorite and whoever is the favorite wins Spike. I think they're going to do something different. And if they do, I will say this is one of the best reality shows on television because I don't know that yet. I, I got nothing to play off of. I don't know the win condition. That's why for me doing a letter grade on this is a little questionable. I don't know what to say in terms of like, I, I recommend watching it. It's not bad. I've seen a lot of worse game shows in the last like couple months. The, to me, this is a fun show. I give it like a B so far, like a B, maybe a B plus. If they, tr- if I, if I know what the finale win condition is, this could be an A. By the way, this could be an A. But right now, it's a B. 
I don't really like, and the only reason I'm saying B is only because trying to get some people who are former intelligence gathering people who've been in different countries gathering intelligence and counterintelligence and spy work, trying to play like, well, if you could, you couldn't figure out the jigsaw puzzle in time, you would have not. That duh. To me, that's just what it feels like. And look, this show could be so much better, but for where it is right now in season one, it's fine. This could have been easily on CW and sucked. This could have been on ABC and flopped. The fact it's on Bravo works. It surprisingly works. I like it. I'm going to keep watching this. Um, it's a B right now. And that's my review of Spy Games. This is going to be a weird episode. Um, so I recorded the episode like two weeks ago. Head was okay. Then I got sick and things started being downhill. I barely had really any time to do any research. So kind of sucks for most of the Patreon people and lots of people who kind of want me to be more factual with these kind of shows. But um luckily today's body language so it's kind of a casual easygoing game that there really isn't much for me to discuss uh like i don't know 396 episodes tom kennedy's best work as a host in my opinion i know some people will say otherwise uh you know uh the, it, it's a fun little charades game puzzle we'll be talking about that for a while um it is currently on buzzer uh, and it's such a fun show, fun, lighthearted show. Uh, when I was just like, just, you have no idea, like, head throbbing, meltdown mode. Ooh. I was just like, oh, God, what's going on? I'm going to vomit. And then, like, for the funniest reason, body language was on, and I just started busting out laughing, and just, like, I watched it again. And, I mean, we watched a few episodes of, of these game shows before recording, like, that's always kind of a prerequisite. But seeing, like, just one out of the open after the fact was just kind of just a smile to my face. Um, and it kind of brought me into it. Just, like, a lot of people getting into game shows that that day you were sick. You're just, like, not really in the right frames and you're in not the right mood. So you're just sitting in a couch, just sitting in your bed. TV is on and here's a fun little game show and people are happy and they're playing a fun game things like that i could see now why people love game shows in that regard and body language is a great one of those and i do recommend you watch it um it's this scoring is weird lots of interesting ways of how they got returning champions and different changes along the way but um not really much we do in the introduction sequence i think about it but uh it's body language my friend chris lane is going to stop by in a couple of seconds Let's turn the tables. With me on the line is returning champion, Chris. Welcome. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo-hoo. Thank you. So good to be back. 
Last time around, we did uh, body. Uh, no, no, this, we're doing body language this time. We did a uh, thousand heartbeats. That's absolutely right. And you didn't flatline out, so you're returning here to talk about body language, <laughs> which is one of the weirdest '80s game shows to exist. But also, in some ways, it kind of is that. Uh, I feel it's the hallmark kind of game show for for game show fans because. Rather it's Buzzer or Game Show Network. It was always that one weird game show that kind of stood out from all these other quiz show variety game shows. Well, you know what? It was uh, it was something very unique. You know, it was a it was a show where you didn't have to deal with a bell or a buzzer. You didn't even have to have a lot of knowledge. It was just uh, it was just a kooky fun little program to watch and uh you know not for nothing now i know that it's not the first time it had ever been done at least the concept of a charades game show but for the 80s it was just a perfect time for something like that it just was this this was the time because the 80s was everything is a game show we need as much game shows as humanly possible what does the mark goodson library have for us this time uh, <laughs> uh and you know what? The uh, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to um, fun original concepts, you know. Now, of course, we have some in the '90s and later decades, but the '80s was one of the last uh, decades of the extreme experimental when it came to game shows. As far as I'm concerned, as far as the concepts were, the '80s were one of the last ones, as far as I'm concerned, where they kind of dared a little bit and tried something totally out there. And just threw it against the wall and saw if it stuck. Because it, it was like a trial. Like 20 episodes, if it fails, whatever, next month will be replaced by uh, the, the push a button, win a cookie type game. Exactly. I like cookies. And, well, congratulations. Now you got oatmeal raisin. You can trade it in, but I can't guarantee it'll be better or worse than the oatmeal raisin. Now you see, if it was an oatmeal chocolate chip, I would have to seriously think about it. Not a big fan of the raisin. It's a raisin. We can guarantee it's a raisin. Then I will go what's behind door number two. It's peanut butter. Yay, peanut butter. All right. Uh, so if you've never seen uh, Body Language, which you'll probably be able to see it because it's usually on Buzzer or like all sorts of different kind of game show channels. It is a quirky charades type game played with a celebrity and a civilian. And I love these kind of games. And Mark Goodson really was good with this. Things like Password, for instance. This is what reminds me of our Pyramid. And it also had this element that reminded me a bit of Super Password, which we talked about earlier. Uh, if you've never seen the show, uh, it's two teams, uh, civilian, celebrity, civilian, celebrity. And they have to do charades. In each round, uh, there is five words or phrases, and their partner has to figure out what it is in 60 seconds. Now, they can't talk. They could only use their body. Now, they can use all parts of their body. They can wave their arm. They can jump rope. They can do whatever they want to illustrate the point. But they no cannot part, talk. No, if they ever talk... Basically, basically, no parts, with the exception of your vocal cords, were excluded. If you do, that's considered illegal, and they disqualify the word. Beep, 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 beep. And that's the, it's just a pleasant kind of, like, you screwed up noise. <laughs> just this, like, beep, beep, beep. <laughs> And I, it's funny. Whenever I hear that, for some reason, I think of Michael Winslow for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I, okay, you know what? It's, it's you know what? It's probably because uh, I was watching the reruns of Magic Game Hogwarts Squares Hour, and he was on last week, and he was doing his thing. So that's probably why. 
and then like what happened is uh so you get the five so you get five words now you don't get money for solving any of these words the money comes to the second half of the game where is you get your own puzzle based on the words and phrases that were used and it's almost like a big clue uh with the big underlying phrases so for instance uh it's a planet in outer space where astronauts walked on it and you might see the american flag and of course when you first see that uh when you first see that statement there are so many blanks in it it's like a mad libs board it's a blank from blank you might see blank in blank and And blank 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 has blanked on it and you might find a blank and now if you're the, like the person who's uh, has to do charade, try doing American flag or <laughs> <laughs> that, that, wow. How would you do American flag? You would do a salute. You do like a pledge, a pledge of that's allegiance. The only, and that's the only thing I could think of would probably be a salute. Like a flag salute. You have to put your hand over your heart, pledge of allegiance kind of, and then like, All right, yeah, slam on the that. floor to li- to represent America or something. Ab- absolutely. Cause you yeah, just like, it's always, yeah, I never understood that. It's always, they always do like a donkey slam on their foot when they do that. I don't know why. I never understood that. Because you want to get them on the floor to... Yes, because this is America, damn it. This is America, damn it. You got to make people look silly. Uh, so then if they solve the puzzle correctly, they get $100. Applause, applause. If they do applause, not get applause. the puzzle correct, the other team gets to try and solve the puzzle. And not only that, they get the they get to pick a number that was not chosen. Now, here's the cool catch is there's always seven blanks typically in this, five of which were acted out and two of which are crucial clue words that could actually actually assist with the termination of the final outcome. But guess what, folks? They are not acted out at all. Cause, and sometimes they're very difficult because it's like Dwight Eisenhower. What? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and of course when they're uh, when they are given to everybody, they are in parentheses. The first time I saw that, I was like, I don't remember seeing that. Then I saw the little parentheses. I was like, oh, maybe that's why. Okay. And, th- and it a, goes back had and it forth. In the blanks so, in my brain, actually. Yeah. And then it goes back and forth. Do you know it? Nope. Five. Dupe. Four. Dupe. And this is for the $100. And both teams get a chance for $100. Round two, it's played nearly the same, but with a little bit more difficult words to try and act out for $250 in the puzzle. And I'll take that too. I'll take the $100 and the $250. I'll take either of it. Now that means if they both get both of theirs correct, that's $350 each. But the goal is to get to $500. Because once you hit the $500, you win. So that means, theoretically, if in round two, you get it right, your opponents screw up, and then you get theirs, you win the game. And mathematically, and this is why I think it's it's unique. Are you ready? In round one, if you win yours, it's $100. If you get your yes. opponents, it's $100. But if you get, your po- if you get yours correct, that doesn't mean you win theoretically, because that's $450. You need $500. <laughs> that always drove me bonkers when it was like it was kind of like the whole um what do you call it and i thought this like um when i was a kid like when i used to watch sale of the century and uh jim perry would say okay well we'll sell it to we'll sell it to you for you know like uh 10 points okay well you know what we'll take one point off of it we will sell it to you for only nine dollars well you know what at that point you might as well just done it for five 
because it's not going to matter. And it's like, it's such a stretch. Because the questions are in $5 intervals. So it's like, what's the difference if it's one or five at that point? Because you want to win by, it's just a dollar off, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because you you would lose by a buck anyway. So it's kind of... <laughs> you know what? Maybe it's because you want to have that one extra dollar just to get one over in the speed round. Well, I could see that if you uh, got it for like $11 or maybe 6 But he always was like, oh, I'll drop one off the price. And I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, $1. What a discount on the sale of the century. <laughs> <laughs> Going once. Going twice. Twice. And... Doo-doo-doo-doo. <laughs> Oh, no okay. sale. Uh, well, right. if you had taken the, if you had taken the instant cash, you would have had two thousand dollars. Oh yeah, that mystery buck. door. Remember that mystery door? It was so. Fun. Oh gosh. <laughs> That's going to be a whole weird game show to talk about. Sale of the century. <laughs> oh, it <laughs> sure was. Because it's like I mean, because the, the, there's so many elements you have to talk about in that game, such as the speed round, fame game, and all oh, that. Yeah, plus the ch- plus the changes that happened throughout the years. Every then bonus round interval, bonus round, and then we'd have to talk about Australia. Australia, that is their jeopardy. I, I like the it fact is. that, like, in in I know this is the body language episode, folks, but it's it's fascinating. The Australian sale of the century is kind of their version of Jeopardy, and then mm-hmm. you know, their ours is Jeopardy, and then for in Brendan's like Mastermind, I would say, or maybe University Challenge in some regard. University Challenge, probably, yeah. But uh, but what I find fascinating is body language being that they get to play all four puzzles. Like they mathematically figured out you can do all four puzzles. And if you haven't figured it out, that means there's room for a fifth and final round. Absolutely. In the event there is no $500 limit because second round shenanigans, we get to go to We're, a playoff puzzle. And this happened more often than you would think it would happen too. This was mostly body language. Mostly body language was let's end with this. <laughs> And it was just a play. Basically, it was just here's one of these puzzles that we explain, and, and it'll be like, um, it's a podcast about game shows hosted by Jordan Haas, where guests talk about game shows and have fun. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> hmm. Uh, so if whoever ba- they back and forth pick numbers, and it, and I think that's kind of like a fun little like finale kind of thing, like a head to head with the puzzle. Whoever wins that yeah, gets two fifty, and theoretically wins the game. Right, and it was qu- and it was also quick enough to uh, that it didn't take up a lot of time either. Because right when that because if there was a playoff, they just go straight to the bonus round. It's like right. okay, get the fuck out. Thanks for playing. <laughs> hey, okay, Here, come on over. All right, sixty seconds, ten words. <laughs> <laughs> and that leads us to the bonus round the bonus round is uh i will say classic game show 10 things 60 seconds yep uh for everyone that they get right it's a bonus 100 dollars. and if they get all 10 right they get that's right thousand dollars mathematics work but then they get to play but then what's the twist is then they have play a second game in this final round where it they, which, I thought, which I thought was kind of interesting that it was uh, it was like basically a two parter bonus round where whatever it is that they earn kind of well it is a Mark Goodson so it is a kind of like a super match I feel like it's like a super match where it's a two parter it's right the, right you did this and then second I think that's also kind of how I feel about like things like um like Family Feud it's they're not trying to get you to get the two hundred in the first go around they want you to have the second person play up so 
there's some tension in there. Right. Uh, so with this one, after everybody get right, somebody... mm-hmm. three words in 20 seconds. How hard can it possibly be? Harder than you'd think. If they get all three, they get 10 times the amount, so up to $10,000. <laughs> uh, and, and it's funny, because the first time I saw... When the, I can remember the first time I saw Body Language. It was right after... Um, Right after it was post uh, GSN dark period, and uh, the first time that I had seen it, I was like, "Okay," I was like, "Okay, you're going to go from uh, needing ten and sixty to needing three and 20. I was like, "How hard can that be?" Then I saw what they were throwing out at the second part, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Because <laughs> some of them, some of them were insane. Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> the only thing I could think about with Phantom of the Opera would be if I covered half of my face and I put like my other hand like up in the air and started like m- mouthing like singing that's the only thing i can think of because it, it's like all these two it's like two or three parters or it's well the first one's always like something simple that's like supposed to ease you into the final round oh yeah like, i mean it's like okay here's uh snoring here's, here's snoring Here, yeah, here's here, uh, uh, you had to say snoring didn't you i knew you were gonna go there. snoring <laughs> why why would i bring up snoring <laughs> i had never seen a contestant so pissed off in my life so we're we watched a couple of episodes uh in the one episode (laughs) i linked there was a contestant that did very well got nine of the ten so this was for nine thousand dollars and then the actress uh the first of the 20 second ones was snoring did the whole i'm lying in bed and then like out loud went and then suddenly immediately i heard Tom Kennedy, who was the host, goes, oh, well, don't worry. Next word. Wait, what? what? Oh, oh, we don't do that. Oh, <laughs> I, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's all over. Let's yeah, round ends. Tom, he got confused every now and again on his shows. But when he did, it was he always uh, he always took it with stride, if nothing else. But the look, because it, like, it, it's like, OK, there's one shot of Sam, the contestant. He's all happy. He's going for it. As soon as he found that he was disqualified, well, you would have thought that he just witnessed somebody getting punched in the throat. It was, it was, it was fun. <laughs> I'm looking, I was like, oh my God. This I was like, look of vividly, look like, up. we're going to be in the parking lot after. Yep. It's like, okay, what was, what, what were you trying to describe? Snore? Well, you're going to be snoring a lot in a few minutes after the taping is done. Poor guy. And then, of course, he gets to play. Now, the fun part about the, the show is that. What is that? There's returning champions. Yes, which is for some for some reason that's all. Uh, what do you call it? It's been uh, especially like in more recent years, with the exception of a couple. You know, so many shows have done away with the concept of returning champion, and I hate that. To be honest, I like having returning champion. You want returning champ? So it was. If you get to the the twenty five thousand dollar ratings limit, because it's the eighties, that was the thing. Yeah, well, tw- it was it was twenty five for a while, then it did upgrade to fifty. Because of CBS, and that was that was an actual like legal rule they had to do. Yeah, and that was because I believe that was because of the Joker's Wild. I believe Joker's With Wild because the, they had the million dollar weird. Well, they also had I believe it was Joe Dunn who had a run, who had a pretty decent run on it, and he was just going crazy. And they were like, "Well, how we have to stop because what are we going to do?" Because he's broken the bank, as it were. But that was another show, break the bank, another Tom Kennedy and one. As I as I like to call it, the Hollywood perimeter. Uh, even though I will still say uh, break the bank with Tom Kenny, 
Worst theme song. That's one of the worst theme songs I've ever heard. What about All About Faces? Okay, that is also kind of bad, but it's just that, it's that, <laughs> it's like a cat squealing in the theme song. It's like a, yeah, but it was, the, but it was the seventies. They were so high. They didn't know any better. They didn't know what they were doing. No, if they wanted high, you would do Strike It Lucky and Strike It Rich. Boop, 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 do 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 Joe Margala going like, oh, strike, uh, go on to hit the no bandit. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I was a baseball legend. <laughs> oh, you want a trip to Disney World? You want to keep it or you want to go on? I think I'll trade it in for that oatmeal cookie. No, well, let's see what's on there. Boo! Oh, it was the bandit. <laughs> but, uh,. No, what I this is such a a fun show, uh, body language, because the you know, and I think this is one of the shows where it's like it could have the viral ability modern day too. Oh, absolutely! If that if that show was on fresh now, uh, we're talking like YouTube to the max. Like, well, they did do that, and that's that's what I was leaning towards is buzzer before it became buzzer that we know and love. There was the YouTube buzzer, mm-hmm. and YouTube buzzer tried to revive a lot of these game shows. And um, they they sucked. They 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 fucking sucked. You know they were terrible. You know what's funny? I don't I don't think I've seen one of those at all ever. You've never seen YouTube buzzer body language? I never. Let me put it this way: the quote unquote revive buzzer revivals from YouTube. I have never seen any of them. It was uh. What's up, you? What's up, YouTube? I think it was because I I wasn't even associated with, but I just kept associating it with GSN Originals. That was before Buzzer even became a regular channel. And oh, I, just I can tell you why that is. Why is that? Both of them both have a very involvement of pink and purple. They have that that they almost have that bisexual lighting fixture that almost makes you remind of GSN Originals. Did the pink with the words? YouTube has okay. that same purpley background. Plus, it all has the same kind of set. That weird. Here's a television screen in the background. So they're very, uh, very trans friendly. They are. It's in bylighting, all that good stuff. Okay. Uh, but no, like they did that. Um, but in their version of the game, it was kind of just charades, like most points wins. They didn't really do like a puzzle <laughs> kind of element. Mm-hmm. Um, now I will say this: there's one thing that I really did like about body language, and this is something that uh, a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people even consider this or even think about it. You know, so many times celebrities have been on game shows. It's been since the 50s. You know, celebrities have been on game shows. They've been a staple. The problem is, is that so many times on game shows that feature celebrities, especially if they are comedians, they sometimes tend to break the flow because they start doing their bits. They start doing their comedy routines, even though there's money in the state. But when you got a show like Body Language, that's embraced. And I really think that that's something that a lot of people never consider. This gives the celebrities a chance to actually be natural on the stage doing their thing, which on other game shows that are a little bit more serious, sometimes it can have an effect on the outcome. Yeah, like most of the celebrities that are on body language are actors, so it's like perfect for them if all they have is a direction and it's like, sing, but don't talk. And it's what 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 makes this a fascinating format is, yeah, there was like a, a YouTube version of that, but it was all point structures, and it was like I think a thousand bucks was the grand prize because YouTube. But that mm-hmm. was kind of like what the future of game shows are going to be because that was like a ten minute show. Uh, so so heads up, folks, uh, YouTube Buzzer is the future of game shows. They were just ahead of the curve. 
Um, but what I think would be fun is like modern day because then it's you can have modern slang words and try and get people to gesture it. You can True. easily you can easily do innuendos. <laughs> try try a cocktail mixing and see how that works as a charade. Oh, for God's sake! I'm having some visuals. Jesus Christ! Yeah, there you go. See, you figured it out. Listeners, <laughs> visualize that. How would you do cocktail mixing? <laughs> Well, you see, there are these two bees, <laughs> and um, they kind of are a little smitten for each other, and uh, yada, 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 drink up. <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, that it's And that, my friend, is where babies come from. That, and that you learned a very important lesson about babies and more. Uh, we should really go into Tom Kennedy in this one, because uh, Tom Kennedy is a game show icon. He does he did dating game for the longest time. Big smooch, Mwah! that that's where I take it from. I take it from Tom Kennedy. And what I it's funny about this is a lot of the times when you see body language, because the second episode we saw, there was like a blooper or some kind where it was just we really did not know what was going on, and I don't know if like he was just tired because it was like the four for fifth taping of the day, or <laughs> this was his like he just came back from a dating game episode. <laughs> there were times when he called body language dating game, and it was fun. Uh, you know, though Tom was a um, what do you call it? He was. Uh... He was one of those unique ones whenever he did a show. He always had a certain uh, class to him that, uh, of course, he had a, uh, what do you call it? He came from a game show uh, family, of course, with uh, Jack Norris and everything. That and is, uh, and it's it's Norris family. It's the Norris family of game shows. And yeah. like, I I mean, like when we did Jack Norris, when we talked about him was a couple of weeks ago when we were talking concentration and I, we... <laughs> And I said it to Adam. It was uh, Adam uh, Bell. It was uh, he gave no fucks on concentration. He was just like no match, but yeah, good, 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 whatever. <laughs> what are we doing now? What are we doing now? We're doing double play. Okay. <laughs> With Tom Kennedy, because uh, he's also a Nars, John Lawrence Nars, Dink uh, Junior. I think he's a junior. He's the son of it. Uh, he, his whole stick was kind of just like almost like a precursor. Or although it might, although I maybe he took it from uh the, the he took it from things like the Gong Show. He took he took because uh, I've noticed when Tom Kenny hosts, just like uh, Chuck Barris, that sometimes he does the whole <laughs> clap. And he was a clapper. He was he the was clap. He was a clap host. Yes, he was. He was a clapper. When there was like a nervous energy, he was like, okay, well, p- puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> and what, I, what I used to like about him is every time he would do a new show or even throughout the same show, you just never knew what color his hair was going to be that week. It was black. It was very white. It was gray. It was slight gray. It was teal. I mean, because I can remember, you know, like, uh, I mean, let's see. He was like, uh, he was like, uh, like whitish and blondish during body language and then here he comes doing the prices right and he's darker than bob barker i'm like what the hell happened i think he really wanted to do the salt pepper look but unfortunately the decade didn't really have some way to do that well not until bob barker did it in the mid late 80s and uh, <laughs> but i mean like he has like a resume though kennedy like i mean oh I, yeah 
I mean, a lot of people remember, like, he did Password Plus for a bit there. He he was famous for Name That Tune. He was the Name That Tune guy, folks. He was the Name That Tune mm-hmm. guy. Um, yep. People in the game show world just know him for... Absolutely. It's it's woo, but... And, of course, Price is Right. He was a Price is Right host. And it's funny, because I have memories of watching him on Price is Right more than I did with Bob Barger, because... Um, it's primetime, because primetime is network. You're not really around yeah. during the day, You're but if it was like 7, 8 o'clock at night, CBS, it's there. Yeah, and I used to watch it with my, uh, my grandmother, because she was crazy about him. Nowadays, they just let Drew host it, and they're like, eh, we're good, we'll do a primetime special. It's called a special. <laughs> What's so special about it? It's dark out. It, look, Yay. it's it's special because Seth Rogen's there. It's, Yay! It's the cast. It's look. It's the cast of this of this new ZSI crime drama. Look, it's all of our favorite reality show stars. It's special for this. Yay! And contestant number one is Pointing Lady, and contestant number two is White Cat. Yay! All your favorite meme stars. <laughs> It's but Kennedy is just. I mean, I would put. I I would. I don't know if I want to put him up with there with Jeff Edwards as my favorite though. That's the the toughest part about this. That's why I love body language so much. I would say I loved him most in this than a lot of other shows. Well, you know what? Like I had said earlier, I think that the because it was such a laid back concept and a laid back format you could just have fun with it if you fucked up oh well let's keep the tape rolling let's see how long we can get this going you know i think it was i mean because there were so many game shows like past and present 80s and other decades that they were so serious in many times having a show that was just laid back kick kick back and relax you know very uh fluent uh flowing i mean uh it was just something refreshing and at that point you know just something relaxing you know there was so much stuff going on in the 80s in the real world it was time to at least have a half an hour a day to just chill and tom kennedy definitely uh was a big part of that uh so if you were mostly watching you'd be watching like twenty-five thousand dollar pyramid press your luck price is right then they did all your soaps and then body language at four o'clock that was the, the way they handled it for the, for the longest time was like that was the 4 4 p.m. slot on CBS and in the daytime like the 10 to to noon was the game shows uh, <laughs> what i liked about what i liked about body language it was not just cuz cuz me i it was more i watched it in the GSN runs and the Bozer runs right i it's funny i was uh... When I was a little kid, I was born in 81, a couple of years before Body Language premiered. Uh, when I first saw Body Language, and despite the fact that I loved watching game shows when I was a little kid, um, I didn't see Body Language at all until GSN reruns. It's just like, it's this weird, fun show with Cooper Black font all over the place and big <laughs> and big, and big scoreboards. Um, I miss those big scoreboards. And fun fact... You know who is a former contestant on Body Language? A former contestant on Body Language. Yeah. I'm taking it to a celebrity now or a well-known personality. Well, in, game, in the world of game shows. In the world of game shows. Who? Kirk Fogg. Oh, oh yeah, he was, wasn't he? Host of Legends of the Hidden Temple, Kirk Legend Fogg. Legends of the Hidden Temple, yes. Oh, my God, I forgot he was on that. <laughs> that, that was like... It feels like everything which incidentally, is connected here. It's so weird. Which, incidentally, isn't that getting revived? Uh, let yeah For Quibi. Ah, I knew I read it somewhere. It's going to be revived for Quibi, the network that's all about tracking your data and then selling it to make programming. Yay. Welcome to the world of filmmaking. So what they're going to do is they're going to do this. 
and then I because th- if it's a ten minute show, Quibbies are like ten minutes. So uh-huh. you try figuring out how to do Legends of the Hidden Temple in ten minutes. Hi, welcome to Legends of the Hidden Temple. Well, that's our show for tonight. Mo Temple game and then Temple Run and that's it. Like one <laughs> Temple game, one, not three, one. The company that collects your data. Now that would be a great idea. For well, it's a game Meg show Whitman and John uh, Ratzenberg, I think. Yes, Meg Whitman, that Meg Whitman. Um, but yeah, so and they're trying to get like Legends of the Hidden Temple super fans. My guess is because they're in their thirties and they're going to actually record us in the jungle. They're going to go to a jungle. They're not going to film it in studio, by the way. Wait, they're actually going to a jungle. They're going to go to a jungle. And where is this jungle we speak of? You know, look, I know there's a lot of game show jungles, but it's like, okay, you can't do the one in Australia right now for unfortunate reasons. You're not going to film in Los Angeles like your UPN's Manhunt with John Cena. Uh, I'm, picturing, I'm picturing this jungle being like a nature reserve somewhere. It's gonna, Yeah, it's going to be like we just went to Disney's Animal Kingdom in Orlando and just said... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the temple. Isn't that right, Olmec? Oh, it's rock. Oh, it's rock. That's rock. <laughs> uh, and I, we should also point out here, uh, so it's going to be 10 minutes. I'm probably sure it's going to be like with, with like snakes and spider challenges. Oh, no, snakes and spiders. And it's like, this isn't the temple you know. I'm Olmec. Welcome to Legends. Um, but, but what I liked about it, we gotta go, we gotta just quickly go to the body language. What I, what I also gotta say is one of my favorite p- parts of body language, which I think might be why I enjoy it, is the set. Lots of blue. N- lots of blue, lots of carpet. Yeah, now I'm sorry. Now, wh- <laughs> that's the one thing I loved about the 70s and the 80s. Where did, where do you buy carpet that's blue? Blue carpet. You know, you've heard of shiny floor games. Now, there is a shiny floor element. In like the later seasons, I think, but it was just mostly just carpet, carpet on the like, stairs, I mean, carpet on I the think floor. That I, it's like I think game show carpet. I think there must be like a store that sells just game show carpet because I have never seen these <laughs> colors. It's like game show color tile. It's like where do you find blue carpet like that? And I'm not talking like this dark deep blue. I'm talking like this like light baby. Little bit slightly on the darker side, baby blue, periwinkle blue. Where do you find that in a carpet? Hi, I'm Jordan Haas. I loved game shows so much. I found a Jordan Haas game show carpet ex- <laughs> emporium. We have all types of carpets, young and old, fresh and new. I know what you're asking for. Do we have okay, thick orange know, shag I, carpet? You bet we do in so three many, types of shag. I can go so many places with that. I know what you're saying. Linoleum floors? You betcha. We have it in black and white. Right off of exit 47, right next to Spatula City. <laughs> Just right there. <laughs> That's a, it, channel 42, actually. <laughs> um. So, also the other important part of this, besides the carpet in the set, because I also have to say, this is also something I'm a sucker for, is... I mean, like modern day, it would probably be like those LED light grids, which just changes random colors in intervals. Mm-hmm. But here, I just don't know if it's rare. It's those big light bulbs, those big vanity bulbs. Yeah, when like I, the kinds that you would like the kinds that you would see like above a mirror in a bathroom. Now imagine those vanity mirrors, a vanity mirror bulb. Yes, but bigger. But, ma- but imagine them like my size. Bigger, bigger. 
bigger. <laughs> you know how many people does it take to change a light bulb? Well, it takes at least three people to twist this one. Because these are super huge. And then, of course, they also <laughs> do the classic uh, double. I call it the double there light grid, but for the puzzle board, because it's just little light bulbs around the little TV. Yeah. Which it was just really just like a slide projector, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but what I, what is fascinating about uh, the game is it's just like trying to come up with how can you like treat this as uh, as a as a modern format. That's what that's what I've been trying to think about when I, we when I said let's do body language. It's just body language 20, 2020, 2020 body language. So how could we make it work for the new decade? This new decade, let's revive a game show from from the eighties. <laughs> mid 80s 35 years ago dad that sounds bad hey 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 why not it worked for pyramid it worked for card sharks it worked for pressure luck why not so uh i mean like think about too it's like things like celebrity name game was kind of is a fremontling show as well so i i wrote down so what i wrote down is the host is craig ferguson for this one okay i could see that and i like craig that'll work because it's like we can't have like who's a like a give no fucks there for fun game show Craig Ferguson. Yeah, so uh, the format is exactly like the same as it was last time. It's two teams of two, civilian, celebrity, because I love that format, because there's mm-hmm. that aspiration, you know, you're hanging with a celebrity. So even if you script, you're like, well, that was fun. I got to hang out with the guy from uh, Dallas. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, but nowadays, here's how the payout works. Uh, there is no limit. There's no get to 500. It's most money after three rounds wins. Okay. So... There is, it's, it plays the same as, as the original body language. There's five words or phrases to act out in 60 seconds. You can pass and go back. For each word that you get right, it's worth $100. Then they go to the puzzle board, with the puzzle board being worth an extra $500. Okay. If you, get, if you solve it, you get the 500 bucks. that's a whole thousand. If you fail... One of the your opponent shows up to solve it for four hundred dollars. They get to pick one of the clue words, and then for every back and forth clue word you get, it'll be down a hundred dollars. So three hundred, two hundred, one hundred. So kind of like the original password, like the original password from the sixties. Uh, okay. Then of course they you. get their own word in the second part. Then in round two, same thing. We're not even going to double the values. By the way, we are just keeping it the same. <laughs> Like, we are going straight up match game style. Like, we don't need to double the points in round two. Uh, so, up to $2,000 if you haven't paid attention to the rules. you can. So, then in round three, it's the speed round. It's as many words as you can in 60 seconds, $100 each word. That's it. Okay, Most and money you know wins. What? And, and this sounds like a, 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 um, that sounds like a format that uh, you, you won't have a lot of... Um, what's, the, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Um... Runaways. Yeah, exactly. Like you're not gonna like at the beginning of round three, it's not gonna be like like three thousand to one hundred and you're like, okay, you have to get, you know, <laughs> gotta get thirty one words to get this correct. At the very worst. The at the very worst, it's you got your thousand, then you steal your opponent's five hundred dollars, making it fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Then you do it again, so it's three thousand. So it could be three thousand and nothing. And in round three is just basically just, well, uh, you got to get we, ho- we hope you had a good time. We hope you had a good time. You hung out with so-and-so. Here's a copy of our home game. Yeah. Because 60 seconds with $100 per word, you're not going to really <laughs> catch up there if you just 
but that seems like a very rare promise. That seems like a yeah, because I mean, the other person would have to get absolutely nothing, like not a single word. You have to not tank a single it. word, right? And if that uh, if that happened, well, I wouldn't tell my parents when my episode aired. Then, if that was the case, and then in the event of a tie, if it does happen, it's a head to head with uh, the host doing the head to head final word. Just because, hey, then you give him doing something. In the final round, because it's whoever wins gets to keep their money and gets a chance to win $25,000 in the final puzzle. It plays exactly like one single round of body language. But this time, each word is worth $1,000. And there's still only five words or phrases. If you can solve the puzzle, though, it's now all of it is catapulted to 25000 Okay, I can see that one working. And of course, and then it, it plays like the you know like a, like a wheel of fortune that final ten seconds talk it out. Yep. Here it is, your final uh, clue. Uh, if you are going down the blank, you might have to reach a blank or earbuds to listen to <laughs> Old Town Road, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe blank from this musician. <laughs> blank, blank. Lil Nas, you did it. Because <laughs> uh, then, it gets, then it actually becomes like a fun little. You don't want to totally do like get ten and sixty seconds. I think that's fine and all if you want to do ten and sixty, but mm, I think just simply doing the the, the five and, and sixty like they do in the front game in the back game right. works. With round three being a catch up round, I think. Yeah, I could see that one working. Cause, oh yeah, I should also say in round three it, it switches, so you go back and forth. You have to like. One becomes the cat and one becomes a switch. Because that was the only thing I saw in the YouTube version that I really enjoyed. Was when someone solves a word, they have to rotate. So the guesser becomes the actor and the actor becomes the guesser. Oh, really? I didn't, well, I've never seen it. So you I haven't seen that. That was, huh. oh, that's, that's the best moment. And, just, and also because it is YouTube, they try to do the innuendo stuff too. Well, naturally, yeah. Uh, okay, so if you wanted to do the innuendo stuff like that, then something like this would probably be a nice fix for like Netflix or Hulu. It is, and you're trying. Well, I'm glad. I'm saying this. If anything, this is going to be a syndicated show. This is like a celebrity name game. Okay, so you see it being on network. I see it being right next to Feud. They see something like this. I could probably, which I have to be honest with how uh, Family Feud. Now that you brought it up, now that I'm surprised that Family Feud hasn't gone any place where the FCC is not in control. <laughs> then, then it would be then it would be a total clusterfuck. But um, because I could see body language being on a streaming service for that reason alone. I mean, they still haven't done like they could easily go there. But if they're going to go that lewd, then I'll just do like a crude version of body language. Just be they're naked doing body language or something bad like that. Now on the Playboy Channel, naked body language coming soon on Pornhub, Pornhub ex exclusive series. Could you imagine there being a game show sponsored by porn? I mean, like, there has been, like, corny game shows. I've seen one called Show Us Your Wits. And it was hosted by, uh, gee, what was her face? She was one of the, the model. Um, this this shows you, like, how I am uh, just, just burning it. Daphne Dupre, uh, she, she used to be in, um, she was on Passions. And I believe she was... Oh, God, passions. That's going far back. No, and, and, like, to get even worse, like, she was also, I believe, in, like, a game show besides that one. I think I was going to say Card Sharks for some reason, but I don't think that is. It was Card Sharks. And it was just this... And it was a game show that was basically supposed to be, like, uh, 
it was supposed to be like a, a cash cab, but at a strip club where it was just, here's <laughs> these strippers doing dancing and they're getting naked in front of you and you get a hundred dollars for every question you get right from the host. But if you get a question wrong, you lose everything. So in other words, it was being used as a distraction. It was being used as a distraction. Uh, but <laughs> well, then a distraction I, exists. So why do you need well, that? Well, if I keep my mouth shut, I'm I'm clear, smooth sailing. If I keep my mouth shut, just just I uh, get one right, get hundred dollars. All right, that's a good day. Uh, so uh, what what makes this interesting is like if it's body language. I mean, like you can do this. You can even make this a YouTube format again. Just make it mm-hmm. like YouTuber civilian. I just didn't like this version because it was YouTuber YouTuber. Um, what makes Okay, so also, of course, you can easily add more carpet. I think this is the one game show where it needs carpet. <laughs> really think about it. <laughs> needs more carpet. It needs a real soft carpet. Well, that way when you're on the ground and you're doing stuff, it's nice and comfy. You don't want to get up when you're done. Yeah, like what if you're going to do a pratfall? Well, absolutely, yeah. The, well, I guess that's why they don't... I guess that's why they don't do the show on bathroom tile. <laughs> that's how you make the extreme version. <laughs> uh, it's extreme body language, and we are live. It's just, uh, <laughs> and that's, and I think that's what makes it such an exciting kind of format. I, I you know, just like you just, uh, it's a civilian being celebrity acting out, acting get to show off their talents a bit. The civilians get to win money. There's a puzzle element in solving the words, and Tom Kenny giving no fucks, and it's just being a, like a pyramid, <laughs> like a pyramid, like a. Let's t- let's just like breathe through. What did you do <laughs> again? <laughs> Is that what you think a, a gorilla looks like? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, and that's the other thing. You know, like you were saying earlier. You know, even if the sh- you know in the world of social media, you know, you know, if we did body language today, there would be uh, there would be so many um, copyright strikes because this show would probably be posted like daily with different uh with different clips of you know your of celebrities basically making a jackass of themselves which is half <laughs> the puzzles the being they drank what with the what <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like showing the puzzle if you drank blank with a blank if i drank beer with a swizzle straw um if you drank a cosmopolitan with the girls of new york city you would most likely be in this television show set. It's all just those puzzles. You know how it's like, it's like the funniest. It's just those. Well, you know what else? Another reason why this was a nice fit for Tom Kennedy, for those that did see Pew, it was kind of similar, you know, like with the, um, with the responses, having the things totally way out there in the beginning. So I mean, like him saying him saying weird sentences was nothing new at all. So it was just like natural. That was bloopers. That was blo- that was all about the bloopers. Oh yeah. I guess we could. Do we have a few minutes to talk about? Because <laughs> that's like the game show. Like at least for a while, in like the, at least the nineties and early two thousands, that was like the game show fans game show right there. That was the. It was. Because uh, Randy was a contestant, uh, but absolutely, God rest his soul. But it was this. Uh, it, if you've never seen, because but I have an audience who's not really in the game shows that much, so I have to explain. It's a game and show where it's basically just are, common misconceptions. The game show, the game show. Right. and you have to correct the error. And it's like, 
And so it's things he, like and he, uh, said it so, he said it so seriously, so straight, like too. It was great. So it's, it's things like the uh, the vice president of the United States is Mike Penis. Ding. Yes. No, I'm sorry. I think you answered it pretty correctly. I thought you were supposed to put a blooper in there. Oh, oh, ah, ah. Well, you see, well, now that the big orange is impeached, uh, no, depressing story. <laughs> it's very depressing. <laughs> but no, it's things like so. It's Mike Penis, and then it's like Pence. Correct charge. <laughs> he never says correct. He says charge. <laughs> in in. Because it is supposed to be fill in the blank. So it's kind of like uh, Ryan Reynolds vo- uh, played a Pokemon in new in the movie Detective Pineapple. <laughs> Could you? Mm. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm now. I'm, I'm now. I'm now craving a pineapple. I'm sorry. To all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, on sesame seed bun is known as a is a big munch. Okay, you did it again. Where's the error? It's big munch. Uh, and then, I told you, you. I told you. You got me saying that now. And then you get to the wrong word. I I say munch. I say boygo. It really annoys a couple of people in the game show world. So I think I should just keep it up. That and run with the Nightwing thing. Still, I think that works. You do you. But what love I love about the show actually, is you know what? I just thought of something. That is like probably a horrible thing to say because when you tell somebody you do you, it sounds like you're telling them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> I mean, it is. In a nicer, political, correct way. Well, I didn't mean that with you. I meant you be whoever you are. That's what I meant to say. I would never tell you. Live that. your best life. <laughs> Can't um, we all just get along? <laughs> Have you said <laughs> in this climate? No. Uh, no. <laughs> so what, we, what we've seen is, uh, is with Tom Kenny is these bloopers and correct them and it's blocking and charging. And then someone says long shot and then they had to add a little square and then they had to go through a gauntlet of villains and it's the 10, 60 seconds. But for every hundred dollars, it's then one extra second. So bah, 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 bah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, with body language, all they had was just first to 500 and a scoring mechanic that made it so you can go through four puzzles. And a fifth if necessary. And then you get to do this fun bonus round. And they usually got to play two games per show, which I thought was also very fun. If a contestant loses, they lose one game. They're not out yet. They lose a second one. They're out. And also they sh- they switch partners. So if you really think about it, one person can just get a really bad actor in one game and then just lose everything. You know, it's funny. I always thought that, too. Like when somebody was... Uh... Whenever uh, somebody was like on a game show and they were like, oh, okay, so you're going to be playing with, you know, like these two celebrities. And like one of them, you know, is just notoriously crappy at at, uh, being a game show celebrity. And you're just like, yay, I got to play with him. Yay. Oh, boy, I get to work with Jim J. Bullock again. (laughs) No, we love Jim J. Bullock. It will be a one. He was an enigma. He was like a total actor, Richard Simmons. He was a guy who was over the top and everything. Over the top. Now, he never hosted a game show, did he? Uh, Jim, he did the Double Dare uh, pilot, and I think he did, and I've got a secret pilot as well. No, he did a uh, Hollywood Squares. He did a sub for Hollywood Squares. Because oh, the, right. the John Davidson he, version, because he was usually a center square in that. Or, or that's whatever. right. He That's right. He did do the, uh, he did fill in. But he never actually had like a regular series game. Yeah, show there was there. no like version. I'm very. I'm at, now that you bring this up, I'm kind of surprised he didn't. Considering like his traction in the 80s and 90s, that that would have been prime for him to have done like a I've got a secret or what's my line. 
Right. Especially I've Got a Secret, because then you can easily, especially in the 90s, in the post-Ellen coming out world, that would have been perfect for Jim J. Bullock to do an I've Got a Secret. Well, even when GSN revived it, that would have been decent. That was when? 2000, I think? Yeah, like that, that would have... Yeah. Uh, but no, he does voiceover work, I think, the, the day. And I, oh, does he? Yeah, I think he does that. He also was in the Nickelodeon show recently. Uh, so he still acts. He still does acting work. Um, but yeah, so so he could still probably host a game show, right? I guess. Why not? Uh, <laughs> well, heck, if he does if he does voice acting, he could be like 100%. You don't even have to see him. You just be a voiceover. Uh, be, be an the announcer. Voice. Be the... Uh, but... Or you could be like the, be like the Inquisitor. We only see the back of your head. Oh yes, let's let's all reminisce about Inquisition, which I actually kind of liked for some weird reason back in the day. I think it's just because it was an easy format, play along. Yeah, it was simple. Uh, that is, it was like here's this weird guy with a big book, big uh, book, big long silver hair. What color is the video game character Sonic the Hedgehog? A red, B blue, C none of the above. Right you are, Mr. Lane. B. Blue. <laughs> Mr. Haas. Oh, no, I have to, to I have to like turn that. my back to the green screen and then get like a fade to white. It's assumption that I'm dead. What was it in that era about like just everybody putting their little cocktail between their legs and walking off stage? Well, I mean, like for, for that one, it was uh, just like a... Off you go. It wasn't you. I think it was pre Weakest Link, and everyone was kind of know, saying that, in the game show yeah. world, like, Weakest Link ripped off Inquisition. Said everybody. Because <laughs> the host never. is mean, but it's like, but no, that was the 90s. That was the anti 90s. You couldn't have, like, I think that was why it was Inquisition, was the anti, it was anti 90s. Yeah. It wasn't nice host. Oh, tough luck. It was you did the poorest, and you must go. <laughs> I don't know. I think, and there was something about it. I mean, I mean, come on. How how nineties emo could you be? It was recorded like in a hangar. Hangar. There was like this weird background music that sounded like grungy, eerie, spooky, almost like something that would fit on MTV's Fear. Like just like pretty much. <laughs> There's a raven in the logo for some reason. Yeah, I never got that. Well, thing. I guess you know. Uh, I guess birds like to hang out in hangers. Birds are a big fan of quiz shows. And then there was like an hourglass. And then when the hourglass... And then the fun part was always when the hourglass did stop, it was like, time is up. <laughs> and Well, every time I saw that big hourglass, I just thought about that scene in The Wizard of Oz. Oh, pay no attention to the man behind the mask or... No, with the with with uh, with uh, you know my you have this much time. Yeah, <laughs> I forget I forget the whole scene. It's been forever since I saw that movie, but I just remember that big you know, and they're like trying to wake Dorothy up, and they're like slamming on the door, and the hourglass is running out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. But wait, Inquisition, you only got like five hundred bucks. Like it wasn't really that much of a prize. Well, it was GSN. Well, hell, you got it was a better prize if you were playing at home and you called that nine hundred number. Well, that was a paid-for service. They made money off. Well, yeah, but I mean, at least you got your call for free. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> so what makes this? Uh, and then, like, and then, like, it was the eighteen nineties because it was dark set, dark this. The nineties were a very dark decade, and by default, it it didn't really like care. And then it was just like you're done. Uh, but that was also like late nineties too. But that was like a successful show for Game Show Network because it was how cheap it was. Yeah, it had it had a second season, didn't it? 
It had, I think, multiple. I think it was, I said, like, three years, so it had to be, like... Oh, was it on that long? I didn't realize. And you know what the fun part was? Uh, the creator of that show was Sandy Stewart, Bob Stewart. Mm-hmm. Bob, yeah. <laughs> you want to I mean, talk what... about, like, a, a big, like, full circle here. We we started talking about, like, how this is, like, a Bob Stewart celebrity game. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So... I, I like yeah, so we learned is yeah, the show could definitely work in a modern era. Lots of modern twists, lots of more puzzles. Just have to refresh the the television monitor, uh, add puzzles, and maybe add a mechanic to make it just a bookended show. I don't know if you can do returning champion. I would like returning champions, but it's fine if it's not. Okay, so let's answer, let's answer this. Let's say it got revived. What's who, which celebrities would you like to see on an updated body language? Well, if it was, well, it depends on what channel it goes on. If it's, well, if we're going to go a syndicated version, we're going to do the syndicated, like the one I said in, in my pitch film with Craig Ferguson, mm-hmm. then you're going to get like all the usuals that you see on like 25 words or less. So you're going to be seeing like Courtney Cox. You're going to be seeing, uh, maybe you'll be seeing uh, the, 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 maybe you'll be uh, the, the, the WWE superstars, the new day, or maybe you will see, uh, because it is, because it is a Fremantle. Maybe they'll have a budget. Maybe they'll get a like Randall Park. On mm-hmm. you got to think like sitcom stars too. So you got to get sitcom people. Uh, Caroline Rank, because she'll do anything. Yeah, uh, she's proven that point. Um, you can get. Uh, you can easily find. Uh, what? What's? I guess Stephen Amell. He's not doing much these days. Arrow's over. No, not really. <laughs> yeah, not really. Uh, yeah, yeah, you have a laundry selection of stuff. And uh, who, who's that? Who's playing Zoe in Zoe's Infinite uh, playlist? I saw at the Golden Globes. What was her? Oh, um, what the uh, whatever that actress is, yeah. I, uh, Jane yeah. Levy. Jane Levy. Yes. I just had to do the research. Yeah. Congratulations, you're got a new job. You're going to be a celebrity contestant on Body Language. All of the contestants. Oh, Jenna Fisher from The Office, probably. Hmm. Because you got to have funny ladies. Um, I think that, that, we have a few of that. But are you ready for the final question, Chris? We no longer have speed runs. We do a final question here. One question. This is what ends the show. You ready? I'm ready. Here is your final question. What celebrity would you want to have as your partner if you were a contestant on Body Language? Okay, I have a reasoning for saying this. I would want to be, and I have to be honest, this would not just be body language, but any game show, Nolan Gould from um, Modern Family. That would be a good choice. Because he's a certified genius. I think he would be excellent. And he's funny on top of it. He is he's of the good family on Modern Family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, behind the scenes, he's an incredibly intelligent uh, young man from what I've heard, of course, because he's uh, did I, I think I did read right he's a Mensa member. Uh, Eric? Maybe. I do know he uh, he might be. I, I'm glad you didn't pick Jesse Tyler Ferguson. That would have been like everyone's obvious pick from Modern Family. Well, you know what? That, well, that's just it. That would be what everybody would pick, but I think that Nolan would be excellent at it. You pick Nolan? Uh, yeah. He has an IQ of 150, apparently. That's his... Uh, and he took the mm-hmm. GED test, and he hoped to take online grading courses. That was according to an Ellen uh, interview, and that was from years ago too. That was from from what years I ago, yeah. Like I mean, I think the show was like practically brand new. 
and now it's like the kid's like 21 so he's he's probably going to end up having like a few good rules he's going to end up on a show on the cw next that's that's usually how this goes he's going to end up in like probably. riverdale he's going to end up in a <laughs> star girl maybe i don't know mm-hmm. that's usually yeah, the acting crow so yeah, that's that's definitely who i would pick so that, that that's there you go that's the the answer to that nolan guild uh luke dumphy the guy who plays Luke Dumphy. There, yeah. you look yep. it up. Yeah, Modern Family plug for Modern Family, America's funniest sitcom. Even though it hasn't been nominated for an Emmy in like three years at this point, I think it came to. I an know, end. but I'm sad. To, but I'm sad to see it go. Are you really sad? You really miss Ed O'Neill and Sofia Vergara that much? Oh come on, they were a riot together. Come on. Oh my God, I'm gonna miss you, mama. <laughs> Well, I just well, you know, it was funny. My dad used to hate Ed O'Neill because of Married with Children. I'm guessing <laughs> he well, you know what? It was a riot because he hated Married with Children when it was on. He hated it when it was on reruns all these years. And then he started watching uh, Modern Family, and he thought it was an absolute riot. Well, then he started watching all um, uh, Married with Children. He was like, you know, maybe that show wasn't so bad. I was like, yeah, he's just a really good actor. The, 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 here, I'll, I'll defend Married with Children real quick. Yeah, it's a really politically incorrect uh, family uh, show, but you put in the perspective of this is supposed to be like all in the family, but they're all the Archie Bunker. Pretty much. <laughs> like, you weren't supposed to root for the guy. You weren't. Right, exactly. Once you get and that. One, and then one day you wake up and you realize you are that guy. Well, are you reliving your high school football days or? Um, <laughs> I don't... Uh, no, no comment. No comment. <laughs> well, Chris, before we get going, anything you would like to plug? <laughs> actually, there is one thing I would like to plug, and it actually goes very well with uh, a couple of things that we talked about today. Uh, we were talking about... Uh, Tom Kennedy, we were talking about Hugh, we were even talking about uh, Randy, the contestant Randy on Hugh, uh, who I was very good friends with before he passed away many years ago. Well, back in the late 90s and early 2000s, uh, for those that are not aware, uh, there was a contestant on Hugh, which was named Randy Amasia. He was a friend of mine. Uh, when I first got into the game show scene back in the day, he was one of the first people that I hooked up with. And essentially... Uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I'm talking golden days of the internet, he had a website dedicated to the entire series of Phew. That was what a lot of people did back then. They had a lot of fan sites back then. Well, since his death, um, a lot of his sites have been taken offline. Now, of course, some of them are still on uh, the internet archive. His site is on the archive. However, I'm working on bringing it back to the mainstream internet once again. Uh, I was trying to get it up and running last month to coincide with his death date. Uh, unfortunately, I was having some problems with the uploading. However, it will probably up, be up and running later this month. And uh, when the time comes, it will be located at Hugh, that's W-H-E-W, dot online. Oh, that, so go check that out. Um, real hopefully trivia. by the time this gets up, to, hopefully by the time the podcast gets uploaded, it'll finally be up and running. It, it would, I hopefully it will. Uh, I mean, both this podcast and the website, because uh, pay tribute yeah, to one of the uh, un- early, early uh, game show people out there. I think he was like the precursor to me. Like he was the go to. Hey, let me tell you about a game show I saw once, and 
Yeah, and he worked behind the scenes at some shows. He was a contestant on a couple. He was on that. He was on Jeopardy well at one time in the 80s. Uh, he was just an all-around great guy. And uh, and the, the only thing that's uh, keeping me from having it fully uploaded right now is, unfortunately, beautiful 1990s HTML. It's very different. You, but the thing is, we are going to HTML5, so you could just kind of... Uh, this website was done entirely with Microsoft uh, front page. Sorry, Randy. I don't know what we were thinking back then. I did it too. But it was easy and inefficient. And plus, if you had Windows 95 at the time, because I'm assuming that's how it was. Uh, yeah, it, that was around Windows 95, uh, maybe uh, 98. Because that was literally everyone used it. No one used 2000. <laughs> we're kidding. Could have been worse. Could have been Millennium Edition. That, that yeah, few, Millennium that, Edition. That not... Oh, yeah. M-E. Windows Me. Yeah, that, uh, that was what I was yeah, that, um, that, that was like the 2000s equivalent of Windows 8. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, you're actually right. Um, and it's just like, no, I learned a lot about Shu. He had a whole lot of archives. And then, like, the all-TV game show network. And then it's... it's What the fascinating thing about it is, like, that whole circle of that part of the game show world is, like... Somehow they invited me into it, and I it's like, I am I was not around. I was like nine. I didn't have a computer. If I did, it was to play DOS games. I was that old. <laughs> but uh, it's paid tribute to that. And uh, do you still are you still going to play some music for us? Or uh... Uh, well, as far as um, let's see, as far as the video game show goes, uh, that uh, that'll be happening. That, uh, uh, new episodes of that are going to be starting at the end of January, as is my other show. They're going to be starting back in January. Uh, Retro Game Network is still going well. Uh, we're going to be uh, finally uploading some of that later this month as well. It's going to be January is going to be a busy month for me. So, so, so we got you at the right time here, because because right about the time this episode airs, all of this should probably be starting updated. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, right now, right now, my body is just stop. I took a little bit of a break and probably within the next few weeks or by the time this podcast gets uploaded, I'm going to be in full swing and my head's just going to be spinning around like the exorcist. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much again for stopping by. <laughs> Jordan, I had a blast. I always ha- I always look forward to our conversations and I hope to join you again soon. As of well. course you will. You're, you're in our rotation. <laughs> Sweet. I've been accepted. Thanks again to Chris for stopping by. Now, if please check out the Retro Game Network at retrogamenetwork.com, uh, at Twitter at RetroGameNet. Lots of fun. Always having Chris on just brings a smile to my face. Uh, I, we're definitely going to try and get him back as soon as we can. Just real busy. Also, I'm just having a snuffy nose all of a sudden. Um, I, I don't know if I'll do good on body which I'm being honest. Like, that's a show It's like, eh? Um... I want to see this as like a new show a lot. I think this one could actually work as one of those YouTube quibby 10-minute shows. But I don't know yet. Anyway, it's time for the 110-part series exploring every pricing game from The Price is Right. This is The Pricing Game Spotlight. Jeez, I think I'm getting sick. Two for the price of one. Uh, Premiere date, 
December 12th, 1989, 7462D. Finale date, Bob Barker, May 9th, 2007, 3983K. Premiere date, Drew Carrier, November 28th, 2007, Air of Order, November 9th, 2007. Two for the price of one is a game where the contestant is given one free number and must select the remaining two digits of its price to win both prizes. Gameplay. Object of the game is to win two prizes by guessing the price of a smaller prize with three digits in its price. To start the game, the contestant is shown two rows of three digits. Each position has two possibilities. The contestant must choose each digit from the top or bottom row to form the correct price of the prize in order to win both prizes uh they are given any one of the three digits they wish for free at the beginning of the game here's some fun history this is the very first pricing game to be created by the former host and executive producer bob barker this is a bob barker original folks two for price one a bob barker original pricing game he created it he knows what the game is about when this pricing game premiered on December 12, 1989, Bob Barker celebrated 66th birthday. On top of that, the game received its first win. April 10th, 1998, Rod Roddy blew the reveal of the game by accidentally reading a page ahead of the script. I'm Up For Bids was a dinette set, but Rod set a barbecue and a new car before quickly correcting himself. It was later revealed that the next pricing game was two for the price of one, and the prices for the game were indeed a barbecue grill and a new car. Uh, the game was played only once on the primetime series, and that playing was one. Starting on October 2nd, 2003, uh, which is 2614K, the complete value of the prize package is announced after the prize copies are read. This game always offers a prize that's less than $1,000, because you need to play with a three-digit prize. Uh, the second prize can be more or less than $10,000. The most number of times this game was played on any season was 36, it was the last pricing game to premiere in the 1980s, folks. We're leaving the 80s. Aww. We're leaving the 80s. I feel sad now. I gotta have to, like, what am I gonna do with all this Miami Vice? Now I have to go to the 90s of Prices Right. This is so weird. Anyway, the game is similar in concept to, <laughs> to Safe Crackers. Thanks for that. Uh, also, that weird date thing. True Price One is one of four new pricing games seen on eighth tape date of season thirty-six, which is seen on November twentieth, two thousand seven, uh, December seventh, two thousand seven, December thirteenth, two thousand seven, January tenth, two thousand eight, and January twenty-first, two thousand eight. Uh, I don't know why that's there. That's not real. If True Carry uh, is the host in two thousand nine, two thousand eight, and this is a game that premiered in the eighties. I don't know why that's a fact. I think someone needs to fix this prices right wiki if I read this because then it's not fact. Uh, but here's something you can put that's not on the wiki, but I feel it's fact. What I like about this game is yes, you get the free help. So you can choose either the first series, like the hundreds place, the tens digits, or the single digits when coming up with your decision. And you know, there's some strategy to that. Sometimes you want to go with the last digit because it could be a five or a zero, or it could be a three and a five. And you don't know. Uh, but the middle digits, you know, that's also sometimes tricky as well as the hundreds. But if it's like, here's a television, and then the television leads to the, the car, uh, you getting a free shot means that you actually have a one in four chance of winning the car by knowing the price of the, of the, like, the television, for instance which I think makes for a fascinating 
game. And I'm wondering if they'll ever go into four digits with this game. I understand they're doing, uh, you get one free digit out of a, a three digit thing. But, so, but something tells me, like, if you're going to go small prize and a bigger prize, why not go a little bigger? But then again, it's, it is a one in four chance and may, maybe they want it to be more 50-50 chance sometimes. I don't know, but I do uh, like this game a lot. Uh, I do think there needs to be a, some sort of upgrade to it, but that's just me. I, I, but I like the fact it's played for a car. I do like the fact it's guess the price of this one weird object. You don't really care about if you want to win the big heavy prize, which is the new car or, 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 or a trip. I've seen it play for a trip once. Um, but yes, I enjoy, uh, two for the price of one. What a fantastic game. I just, I don't know how to fix this game though. To me, I just think the set, that little like game piece of the, here's the three digits, light it up. Something needs to be added to it. I really don't want to get sick, but, uh, but no, I like this game. Uh, I, I just, it's just a little set. It's what's like the, the game board. It's that, Here's three digits on the top, three digits on the bottom. Do you slide it, uh, the top or the bottom one, so it's in the center? Then they light them all up. That's that's it. That's the game. Yeah. But I do like the fact it is uh, just a random small digit item you have to guess to win the big prize that you really do want. Instead of like, what's the price of the car? It's what's the price of like a, a golf club or something. <laughs> Oh, well. Uh, next time on the Pricing Game Spotlight, we're entering the 90s as we go into the gallery game. Oh, fuck. Hi folks, uh, this is uh, real fun. So I, this is I guess a little behind the scenes. Uh, I originally recorded a Crystal Maze review last Friday. Um, I still have it. You can hear it on Patreon.com/slash/Jernhaus. But I re-listened to it, uh, and I'm just gonna go on and in here. Uh, don't take a whole lot of cold medicine and be very loopy, and try and articulate a review of a game show, especially one that people like, and I hate to throw it, my friend Mandela Logan of Nickelodeon uh, responds to me sometimes, and I love Mandel. And I said things like it's overproduced, and there's eight games, and it's kind of nitpicky, and he treated it like I didn't like the game, and I don't want that to come across that anyway in this review. But if you want to hear it, you can. It's very loopy and very funny, but I can't. I can't really uh, get, get like really frame into something that that's like positive. It's just kind of a train wreck. So I instead decided to record like five minutes before uploading this over to the RSS feed a new review of the Crystal Maze. So <clears throat> I have to re like go through everything again. So, on the Crystal Maze, it's hosted by Adam Conover. He's the Maze Master. He guides a family of five. They all know each other because they're a family. So, mom, dad, three kids, or mom and a grandparent and three kids, or any sort of combination of the sorts. Even best friends are allowed. 
and they go through the four uh, zones that are in the Crystal Maze UK because they are in the UK. But they're trying they're trying to say it's a it's a different realm. They go through the classic four zones, the futuristic space zone, the Aztec zone that looks like a rainforest cafe, the industrial zone, which used to be my favorite zone because it's all blue and cool and metal, and finally the eastern zone, or the, the one that's not the medieval zone, which I kind of still am a little upset by, but eh, that's what they want to do. Now, there are some changes. While there is a group of five playing the Crystal Maze, only eight games are played per episode. Each of these games is still under two to three minutes, usually two minutes, 30 seconds, and follows the same logic of a Crystal Maze challenge. You go in, you read the rules, follow the game, and you win it. Uh, there's still the four sets, physical, mental skill, and mystery. And with eight games, it's kind of, to me, that's my only major, like there's a couple complaints I have. One is eight games is not enough to get everyone to play two games each. And that's just, ah, rough that my my big thing was like do you either try to make all the games two minutes and easier because it's a kids game show or do you just do a whole new crystal maze with new games that are one to two minutes so you're able to do two games per player so you get through 10 and i i mean i'm telling you this was a loopy review and i mean i'm reading my social media and i could see where it's like okay maybe i'm going the wrong way about this because if you play the game perfectly, if you get through all eight games, one of which can be for the Mega Crystal, an exciting new format point where instead of being worth five seconds in the Crystal Dome, it's worth 10 seconds in the Crystal Dome, you have a total of 45 seconds in total. The Crystal Dome has changed. Now, in the UK version, if you get 100 gold uh, tokens, uh, you will win a meddling prize. But in this version, it's all cash. It's all played for the cashola. For every gold token, it's $100. If you're able to get 100 gold tokens at any point, you will get ten, not $10,000, but instead $25,000, which is exactly how I would have done an American version of Crystal Maze if you've never told me to make like a cash budget version of the Crystal Maze. This is pound for pound what I would have done. Um, so what also I find very exciting about this is uh it's it's very still hard to articulate here is the games are the same games they're playing the uk version just played here some are made easier instead of three chances and you're locked in it's five chances and you're locked in uh some games like the the for instance the futuristic zone had like a spinning wheel top thing and the spinning wheel top thing uh, it, it didn't spin. So I don't know if someone's like motion sick and they couldn't use it, but it was kind of like, okay, that makes it a little bit easier, but uh, it, it's fine. To me, that's fine. Uh, the only other thing, when I say overproduced, it's they still have to follow some of the American stereotype. for. But thankfully, there's no, which I was my big fear of if they're doing the American version, there is no confessional. There is no, wow, this game was tough, but my brother did a great job. None of that is in this show. But there is the, what I say, what I call the minute to win it uh, pause out, or something you might see in Shopped, where it's the, uh, the clock is ticking, they're still in the room, there's 20 seconds left. They just fail, but they think they have it in them to do one more attempt to get the crystal. And you're hearing Adam go, 10 seconds, 9, 8. And then suddenly, will they get out in time? Cut to commercial. 
because that that whole pregnant that whole break is now a suspense of will they make it out or not i get that that's supposed to be a tension point for you to go into uh still watch the show i know i know production very well that's a very enticing cliffhanger to go off on to me though when it comes to the crystal maze I always frame it as when they transition from one zone to the next, when they go into the tubes or they climb up the cavern or something. That's the when they do the commercial points. Unfortunately, by doing that, you only limit yourself to a four-act structure or sometimes a five-act if you can get to a crystal dome is that. Instead, you, you have to cut it up, and I think they put into a six-act structure, which is not bad. You have to do some sort of push and pull. for No, it's actually an eight it's an almost like an eight uh, act structure, uh, one for each game maybe. Uh, <laughs> but what 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 makes it fascinating is the I don't know if it's six or eight now. I wrote the review and it's gone. Jeez, uh, I think it's six. I think we'll we'll go six act just for the sake of. So the suspense cliffhanger point it irks me. So to me, that's a flip off on every game show. Like, when I see it on Mint to Win It, I go, ugh. When I see that on any, like, physical challenge on a reality show, I go, ugh. Here, I also went, ugh. And it hurts. To me, that hurts because I love the Crystal Maze. It's my favorite British game show. The fact that it's here, it's not necessarily the 90s Crystal Maze. This is an American Crystal Maze. I have to leave that at the door. What would an American version be like? And if this is it, I'm not going to complain that much. This is a real well-created game show. It's a family game show where families compete by basically working together to solve these little games to win crystals, to win money in the Crystal Dome. That's it. That's the game. There's no fart fart. There's no uh, poop poop. There's not even slime for that matter. And I will say this again and again now. Folks, The Crystal Maze is my favorite Nickelodeon game show of all time. I'll repeat that, and I'm I'm not under any sedatives. The Crystal Maze, period. This show I'm reviewing right now is the best, the best Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon's and the Nickelodeon Network game show ever made. Better than Legends of the Hidden Temple. Better than Double Dare, better than Guts, all of those. The Crystal Maze is now my favorite Nickelodeon game show. It's been all those. And it's I've only seen the sneak peek episode there <laughs> Friday, and I fell in love with it. I will take the cut to commercial pregnant pause. I will settle for having eight games because now it's two in each zone, so you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. And because it's eight, maybe you can go through a rotation of a physical, mental, skill, mystery, physical, mental, skill, mystery. Something like that. And maybe the rules are kind of like your parents can only play two of the games, the other six are with the kids, something. There's always ulterior rules that are never explained during the premise of the Crystal Maze. For instance, this is what I mean by over-formatted, is like in the UK Iowati version, the, there's now like subset of rules like you cannot pick physical mental skill or mystery the the set game rotations already predetermined for you you just have to pick the player to play each game however you can't pick the same player for more than two games 
unless you don't have enough mathematically to get someone to play a game. Then you're allowed to do that. That's like, To me, that's like an over-format point. Uh, in addition, there's only 10 games played. Therefore, it's an over-format. Now you know it's 10 games. So now there's like a more linear strategy to it. Versus in Richard Iowati Crystal Maze, where you're told you only have 10 minutes in this zone. What game do you want to play? Who's going to play it? A physical game for Barbara. Come over here, Barbara. Over here. Boop, 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 boop. This is an A-list game for you. <clears throat> in, instead... It's just the next game's a skill game. Who's playing it? Oh, it's your mom. Okay, come over here, mom. This is a two and a half minute game. Enter the game zone. And that's it. But I'll take that. I will. Fe- I'll be fine. I'll be fine with that. That's no problem <laughs> with me. Because uh, these games are clever. They're skilled. They're the puzzles are not being easy for kids to figure out. This is the same level of skill set that's in the Amer than the Burst Crystal Maze in here, but it's with American spelling, of course. Um, but it's great. It's actually clever games. Still, the kind of pick a mix that I enjoy. Still an action adventure style, and one that I I love a lot. I really do love this Crystal Maze adaptation. Is it the best interpretation of the Crystal Maze? No. I still am favor for like the Ed Tudor poll or or Richard O'Brien edition. But I'm not really that upset for the Crystal Maze being back and presented this way because it's still better than no Crystal Maze at all in my opinion. And if this is what we're calling the American Crystal Maze, I'll take it. I will take this well-thought-out, well-crafted version of the Crystal Maze. Yes, it could be more. It could be my interpretation of you add more games. It could be less format where they get to pick a game. They could have Adam Conover do this and that and that. But to me, it does not matter. None of that matters at all. What matters is, was I engaged in watching the show? Did I hate watching the show? Will I keep watching the show? And the answer to all these questions is real tough. Um, I will keep watching the show. I do not hate the show. I will watch the next episode. This is I. This is something that I'm going to season pass and binge watch the entirety of the season of, because something tells me these kids that they casted, they're going to be from all different parts of America. You're going to see some families from Texas, some families from Seattle, some families from New York, New Jersey, maybe a Florida family, a California family. And all of these different backgrounds, maybe someone does sports, maybe someone plays video games, someone's in an academic decathlete, and it becomes these things where it's because you're a family and you know each other's strengths and weaknesses, you're like, oh, that my, my sister's really good at spelling and this is a mental game, I'll choose her. Something like that could easily fit the mold of the show and actually kind of adds a nice detail to it um, that I actually enjoy. So it's not an A plus rating to me. This isn't the A plus. I wish I can give it the A plus. It's not an A minus either. This is a solid A. This is a solid A format. It could get better, but I'm just nitpicking as to why it is. If you really want an, a fun family game show where Adam Conover is playing this miraculous flamboyant jubilant host where he's just kind of in a wizardly spell and trying to let you know that you are in a fantastic zone and hey enter the game zone if you dare you sure 
and it's not Adam ruins everything Adam. I love that. He is a well thought out character. He's very funny in this. Obviously, there's still jokes and gags that they can do because it's Nickelodeon, but it works. This this format works. The four zones work. I'm still entertained by the zones. It, it's still a cheap format because they just flew everyone over to the UK to play the game, but it's not like a bad thing if it's there. I don't know if this is going to create like a Crystal Maze live experience. I don't know if this is going to be as huge of a cult-like uh, creation as the 90s Legends or Family Double Dare or even the Crystal Maze in the UK. But if they can present it, if they can somehow, Nickelodeon can somehow just focus their attention on this Crystal Maze, market this show, promote the show for kids, maybe replay it a couple of times during the day, they might have something that might actually be that schoolyard talk thing. Like, I saw the Crystal Maze in the 90s, and they run around the playground pretending like they're in the, uh, the industrial zone. Like, that's all I can think of if if you're going to help them out w- with making this their nostalgia show, which I really want. I want the kids to be nostalgic for this show. I don't want them to really get, like, nostalgic for, like, Daddy's Blue's Clues or Mommy's Figure It Out. Give them a show. Give them something to be nostalgic for that's, like, made for them. Sure, Crystal Maze is a 90s game show with Richard O'Brien, but... There's no American version of that. American audiences, unless they're game show nerds like me, really don't have that much interpretation of the Crystal Maze. So they don't really care what my thoughts are if this is the best Crystal Maze or not. They're going to see this show. They're going to get a little confused at first. But if they understand like the scenarios that make it somewhat like an escape room, but somewhat like an adventure show and have all the same budget of like an adventure like video game or some of their favorite role-playing game podcasts, this will be a bona fide hit that will continue to be on Nickelodeon for years to come. It's only if they can market the show as soon as they can and, and not rely on word of mouth like me and not try and blow their budget on SpongeBob or JoJo Sawa or any of the other things Nickelodeon has. They don't really have much game. They really don't really care much about this uh, unscripted that they have created. And so far, their track record, even Top Elf, I guess, uh, has been phenomenal and has been these great, clever little games. And it's to me, it's like this is the stuff that goes un- undetected on Nickelodeon. Did someone should really scream, hey, fifth grader with John Cena, hey, guess what? There is like America's Most Musical Family. It's really good. Is is it going to stand? I hope so. Faith is telling me it's not, though, but I want it to because this is my, and I'm still saying this, this is my favorite Nickelodeon game show. This is a solid A game show. I'm going to keep watching this. Kudos to everyone at Nickelodeon, who's worked on the show. I love it. I appreciate it. Just want more games. I want more than just eight games. I want more. I want more. But then again, maybe that's why they love it, because it's like me wanting more of this and less of this is kind of like what they want me to come back to. Like, oh, you want more games? Well, you got to tune in next week, because we have another family. We have more games you haven't seen yet. 
Oh, you wanted less format, Jordan. You wanted less pick a skill game. You have not seen a mystery game in the Eastern Zone yet, haven't you? So stay tuned. <laughs> Something like that would be kind of what I think their direction is. Uh, to which case, I guess I'll concede. I love this show. It's a solid A. Please tune in to Nickelodeon. If you have Nickelodeon, I think it's on Sling. Check it out. Check out the Crystal Maze. Well, it's going to do it for us this week. Um, sorry, I'm going to have a little throat lozenge here so I don't get sick for next week's episode. Um, so, hey, check us out over on Apple Podcasts. We're over on Google Play. We're over on Spotify. Subscribe. Tell your friends about the show. Leave a comment. What game shows you want me to talk about? You can t- say hi to me on Twitter at Jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A. I'll try and schedule and coordinate and get somebody, anybody, to talk about these great game shows with me. Because I want to talk about as much game shows as I can every week with the people who love them as much as I do. Or maybe not so much. I really don't care. But uh, it, it's it's really just a, a fun appreciation for everyone who says like nice things about the show. Please, stop by. Let me know what you want to talk about, who you want to see. If we can get them or not, I don't know. Um, also, uh, before I leave you off, um, the search for Canada's game shows, uh, which is over, has a website, by the way, Canada's game shows.com. Uh, Canada's with, and there's an S, and then game shows.com. And it's this great uh, television series detailing the history of game shows in Canada. I've been watching along, and I have fallen in love with this. Lots of great qualified people who are talking heads on here. There are not me. I might be like niche podcast guy who knows some little bit about game shows, but these are expert level people. I'm the guy who kind of goes like, why is this a thing? These are the people who actually make the, 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 the milkshakes as it were. And friend of the show, Adam Needif, is also a recurring talking head on that too. Uh, so it's lots of fun. Go check it out, canadasgameshows.com. And also, hey, check out more episodes of Game Shows, I suppose, as well. That's going to do it for us this week. Join us next week when hopefully I'm not sick, so I'll be able to talk about another great game show, I suppose. Otherwise, I'll be sitting in a bed just murmuring about something. I don't know. But until then, have a great night and big smooch. Mwah!